0: The Grind.
1: Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Grind where we discuss ITF and Challenger tour tennis. I'm joined by Alex Osborne again, and today we're going to be discussing uh, a bit of a few-around tennis balls, taking a look at the career path of an American who's come from a long way back and having a chat with Destiny arva Alex, how are you going?
0: Doing well, thanks Roddy. How are you doing?
1: Yeah, I'm good. I am speaking from my study, chilling out, and you're somewhere familiar too for the first time in a long time. Tell us where you are and what's going on.
0: Yeah, so I'm in Tempe, Arizona at the moment. So about 20 minutes from Phoenix uh, at Arizona State University, where I went to university and I got my undergrad and my master's from here. I was a D1 athlete, played here um, on the tennis team obviously. So uh, yeah, it's so great to be back here. It, it really feels like a second home for me and with my best friend from college who was on the soccer team, training with the girls. It's been great.
1: How did they welcome back an All-American athlete?
0: <laughs> um, With open arms? No, they're, they're pretty great. I get to join in. Technically, as an alum, you can practice casually or like on an occasion. So that kind of constitutes for three, maybe four times a week, I believe. So my coach is um, definitely a stickler for the rules, which is important. You need that, especially... Burnout of student athletes in America, it's quite common. So she's really on the rules. So I've been practicing three times a week with the team, and then I can jump in and do individuals with some girls in their own time, which has been great. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I get to use the gym where I want, the facilities here. Yeah, I mean, it's really an amazing place to come and train. Arizona is amazing. It's the weather's unreal. It's a little hot on the warmer side at the moment still. But nonetheless, nine months of the year, best weather you're going to get for tennis anywhere in the world. And it's just a great training spot, really good conditions to train in, get fit. I took a full week off, actually, and I'm feeling it this week because my body's very sore after getting back in the gym, back on court. So it's Friday we're five days in and still feeling the body. But uh, no, it's good. It's good to be back on court. And I really needed that week and a bit off. So yeah, hopefully, yeah, back on court soon for a tournament.
1: Yeah, sure. It, I'm sure it's a great way to like sort of reset and have a have a big end to the year. And so you use this as a base, I guess, when you can. And then you've, you have a family friend in, is it Louisiana that you can also use as a base or you have used as a base before? Yeah.
0: So after college, after my master's, when I graduated, I moved there because I got kind of a sponsorship deal for a year with the family and became really close with them. And I just continued to go there and use that as a base as a coach there that I love. He's just amazing. I learn something new every day I'm on court with him. And it's a great place, again, to train. I mean, complete opposite to Arizona, where it's super hot but humid. And, I mean, you were just sweating five seconds out the door. So, again, I have two great places in America where I can train and, and use the base.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're very lucky. You're very lucky. And that that high humidity weather it sounds like a nightmare for a pale white boy like me. Let's talk tennis balls. So one thing that's come up repeatedly, and as a casual fan, you kind of hear about this, uh, I guess, maybe once a year, currently maybe a bit more than once a year. And it kicks off at the Australian Open every, for the last couple of years since they changed from, I think it was the Wilson tennis balls now to the Dunlop tennis balls. And there's a complaint that on the hard courts, the balls fluff up too early in the seven or nine game rotation before they get changed out and then what happens is the balls get too heavy um the rallies slow down the rallies become longer the stress on the body is amplified by a the weight of the ball and then b the length of the rally which is kind of like a compounding issue as the rallies get longer the ball then gets worse and worse and worse and so on and so in recent years the likes of um medvedev uh, zverev even craig tizer have, have complained about the the tennis balls at AO, specifically the um the Dunlops, and I mean I think I don't think Novak uh, has an issue with it. It's been a while since he's lost in Melbourne, but it's also now an issue elsewhere on tour. There's a complaint, as I understand it, from the players that there is too much changing of the tennis balls, and that's causing like a high degree of injuries in players in elbows and shoulders and the like. Um, Novak Djokovic came out recently, and he's been quoted um, in an article saying. There is certainly a connection between frequent injuries of the wrist, elbow, and shoulder with ball changes. I'm absolutely in favor of choosing one ball, which we will play at all ATP tournaments. It is different and more difficult with Grand Slams because each of the biggest tournaments we play negotiate separately with their sponsors, but it also happens on the ATP Tour. Every tournament has a right to negotiate. However, we simply have to find a way to unify so that in each category on the ATP Tour, we have one ball to play with, depending on the surface. What's your experience with this, Ali? Because it's kind of... I mean, from the outside looking in, I can understand why it doesn't get a lot of traction in terms of change because from the from a a, a lay fan's perspective, it's a bit like, well, first world problems. You know, you're a tennis player, you get to do this. You know, if, if the likes of Zverev and Medvedev are complaining about it, it's a bit like, you know, Crimea River, you earn however many millions of dollars a year. But that's not really the reality of the situation. And as a lay person, it would be easy to shrug it off. But the reality is this is a workplace You're going to work, there's a high frequency of getting injured at work, Um, it affects your longevity on the tour, it affects your ability to perform at the highest level throughout the year. What's your experience of this and is this something that you hear about being on the player panel? And yeah, tell me about it.
0: Yeah, we've definitely had some conversations over this year. It comes up at the Grand Slam times as bigger players are talking about it, so it's making more press and media kind of catch hold of it. And On the ITF tour, it's tough because you have even more change almost on the ITF tour because you have consistency where there is an official ball for the WTA and ATP, but the ITF, you don't really have that one consistent ball that may be used more than others. And it depends on the country you're in. If you're in a country, normally they're going to use the same ball each week, but I've even had circumstances where they've changed balls within the same country. And when you're jumping around Europe, or maybe you go from Europe to Tunisia, then come back into maybe Eastern Europe or even Asia, they're different everywhere. So it's really tough. And tennis is a unique sport where you have so many variables already with regards to changing of surface every week, it's never going to be the same surface any week. And the ball is the same. The ball's never going to be the same. So there are so many moving components that so many other athletes don't see in other sports. And maybe they just don't understand or think it's that important, but it's huge. Imagine changing a baseball or an AFL ball or something each week. It, it's completely changes the, the game and, and how it's played and, with regards to the balls being heavier, I've definitely noticed it. My, I've never had pain in my elbow, and I've just got this nagging pain for the last two months. Um, you know, I have been playing week in, week out, and not much rest. But, I mean, even just talking to physios and talking to girls, that it seems that it's becoming more and more uh, prevalent, injuries in the shoulder and the arm. So, so there are some weeks where it just feels heavy to even hit a ball, which is crazy to think that just even hitting the ball is heavy
1: yeah i mean it's it's certainly widespread i've got a a twitter thread here that uh, i sent through to you the other day gasto elias the portuguese atp player tweeted i demand the atp tour to pay for all physiotherapy i will need after playing with these balls they're making us play with i've been on tour for many years and i've never seen anything like this this is inhumane tennis sandgren who is pretty happy to give his two cents just about any time whenever asked and sometimes on occasion when he's not replied i agree never seen anything like it and then paula Badoza, the wta star chimed in with agree the issue is not only atp unfortunately with the wta we're having the same problems for years as well we need a change from both sides and so i suppose novak sort of hit the nail on the head which you would sort of expect him to do is it's it's coming down to the fact that all these tournaments that are run are not even where they are controlled by the atp the atp kind of give the license and then it's up to the tournament director to kind of make everything happen the tournament director and those backing the tournament have every right, right in a commercial sense to pick the optimal deal for the tennis ball that will give them the most the most favorable outcome commercially throughout the tournament. So whether that's the best price, the best offering, whatever it is. However, where those interests are not aligned with the players, and that's often been like an issue with the ATP and WTA tours, is that these tournament interests do take preference over player interests. It's kind of easy to see how this happens. I can't see how this gets reversed. I cannot imagine that the ATP or the WTA will mandate a singular ball to be used on clay courts and hard courts because basically, at that point, Wilson will let's say Wilson gets the hard court deal. Wilson will then have no motivation to ever produce a ball for clay, and Slazenger will have the grass court deal, and they'll be so basically, you'll just be down to like four types of tennis balls, which kills off however much of the market that also becomes like a competition issue. There'd be some regulator that'd have an issue with that somewhere. Um, I kind of can't see how this happens, but then I don't know what the solution is. Do you have anything that sticks out in your mind as to how this could actually happen? For me, it seems impossible. And that's not the right outcome because something has to happen.
0: Right, something definitely needs to happen. And there, I mean, I know there's been talk as well, like women using men's balls for events and they're made completely differently as well with regards to the, the duty of them. And there's been weeks where I've played clay tournaments with hard court balls and hard court balls with clay tournaments. And I mean, it's a mess. And I just, I really, yeah, it, it's hard to pinpoint a solution. I, I really don't know because the market and I mean, just the the business side of things, right. It always comes back down to money and, and what's going to be the most cost effective for the tournament um, with how many balls they need for the tournament, but also how they're going to last and, and everything like that. And I guess certain countries have certain um, marketability for certain balls and I just don't know either, to be honest with you. I think it's a tough situation and I don't know how they're going to solve the problem, but whether they start making them lighter again or have certain, you know, tighten up regulations for how they're made, yeah, I just don't know.
1: Yeah, it's certainly a watch this space. Moving now to discuss uh, Taylor Townsend. So for those unaware, Taylor Townsend is an American um, American woman who's been playing on tour for like a decade now. She's 27 she recently just won a W60 in Templeton. Um, absolutely rock and rolled in the finals, 6'3, 6'1, kind of breezed her way through. She took a year off from the sport, I think, uh, back in April 22 for the birth of her son, Aiden. And she's now climbing the rankings again. She's eight in the world in doubles and 70 odd in the world in singles. But she comes from a very interesting, uh, I guess, origin story. So she started playing under a tennis program developed by Kamau Murray in Chicago, uh, where, where I believe she grew up, who was the coach of Sloan Stevens for her 2017 US Open title. World number one junior, AO singles and junior singles and doubles junior champ. And then in 2012, as she's world number one, uh, arrives at the US Open thinking she will get the wild card that she received the year prior into the main draw. Uh, the USTA knocks that back and then asks her not to play the junior slam despite her ranking as the number one junior player in the world and therefore their best hope of winning it and at the time the player development manager of the USTA Patrick McEnroe basically said that we wanted to focus on her longevity as an athlete and her ability to compete in the future which was in essence a dig at her physique at the time which was by the powers that be seen to be suboptimal. That obviously took uh, a toll on Taylor and uh, I think caused some challenges in her progression, like obviously mentally and emotionally, that's got to be pretty intense. But now she is basically uh, ascending to the peak of her power, is at number eight in the world in dubs. And she's picking up singles wins with regularity now. Um, I think her best result ever was a fourth round at the US Open in 2019, where she beat Simona Halep as a qualifier. So she can play. And it's a pretty wicked story um, coming back from basically being fat shamed, um, which is pretty remarkable in the modern age. I don't know if you've come across it, Ali, but to me, this is a pretty cool story.
0: It's an awesome story. And it's uh, it's fun every year. The last little bit, at least this year, I've seen her at some ITF events in America. So, and it actually tends to happen quite a lot this back end of the year for the hard court swing in America, where we see a lot of players that are either doing really well in doubles or bringing back or coming back from giving birth, actually. There's a few players that have done it where they play this swing of events because it's a great one to play in. It's always nice playing in America. And she uh, obviously I yeah, won Templeton last week. Um, well, two weeks ago now I was there. Um, didn't get to catch any of her matches. But um, I think, yeah, I think people like seeing bigger plays, you know, around these events. And it's great for the tournaments to be able to publicise that they've got this kind of name playing these events, um, which is great. And, I mean, Asia Muhammad's playing some of these tournaments um, as well coming up. Enesha Bahar has been doing it. So a lot of these doubles players are uh, – well, obviously, Taylor isn't just doubles player, though. And I think, we, well, yeah, obviously, when you remember that because she's such a good singles player and is winning in singles. But um, a lot of these players do el- use these events at the back end of the year where a lot of people aren't playing to really elevate their singles. Um, so it's really smart, I think, that she's, she's playing these. And I really hope that she uh, does well going into the new year.
1: Yeah, totally. I think that, um, as you say, it's a massive opportunity. She came or made the third round in the US Open this year and then picked up earlier in the year W100 in Charleston in May, and um, W80, I think, was this time last year. Um, But, yeah, I think for a lot of the people as well, like after the US Open, it's kind of seen as a bit of dead air. Like I know that some of the top players, their schedule kind of dies down a little bit from fans, like, there's no way the engagement is near as big um, in the lead up, and so yeah, massive opportunity for her to uh for her to climb the rankings again. She said she's she is stacking her schedule pretty tight. Um, she said I basically have a tournament every week, and my goal is just to continue to get points to end the year inside the top fifty. So, I'm sure she will, and um, it'll be a good watch for AO24. I think. Speaking of AO24, we spoke to someone who will hopefully feature there earlier in the week. Ali, we spoke to Destiny Ayava, so she's someone you've had a bit of experience with on tour and. She's someone who's on a roll at the moment, picking up a win at the ITF in Cairns last week at the time of recording. She's on a roll. We had a chat to her. What did you make of that?
0: It was a great chat. Destiny's great fun. I really enjoy uh, her presence. She's great. It's really great to see her doing so well. You know, I think we've seen her struggle a little bit here and there. And um, the fact that she's been able to go overseas just recently and, and travel and pick up some great wins and doubles. She's at a career high ranking in doubles right now. And I mean, you'll see from the talk that she's really using doubles to elevate her singles. And that's really apparent right now, especially coming into the end of this year where in this Aussie swing, where she's absolutely crushing it, taking out all of her opponents. She seems like she's in a really good headspace mentally and is just enjoying the process. And especially where she alludes to when she played Halep when she was younger and and how she's really used that now as a positive, in a positive light for her career. And just, uh, you know, it's just so hungry to compete for that again and and be playing for those top 10 wins at AO and on Rod Laver. It's really exciting. And I can't wait to see how she does this year.
1: Absolutely. Hopefully we do see her at Melbourne Park. I'm sure we will in some capacity. But what is sort of really stuck for me is uh, Destiny's come through a well-publicised battle with her um, her mental health. There was a, She had an episode, I guess, in April, I think, of last year that was um, documented pretty heavily. And yet, despite all that, she speaks about, to us, the financial challenges of being on tour, and the fact that she she might not be now as or she might not be as close now, given her winning streak, but only a matter of weeks ago was considering how long she can sustain her career and whether she needs to sell her house in order to be able to keep funding it. And yet, despite all this, this pressure, she has won two doubles titles in a row on a singles roll as well. Picked up a, a win at a W twenty five in Fox Hills in the UK before coming home. Like despite all that that's going on she finds a way to play her best tennis, which is remarkable. I think for the majority of people on earth, you would crumble and turn into a puddle. But for her, she keeps thriving.
0: The financial pressures can take a toll for sure. And a lot of people can't make it through those pressures. And she's really made a way to turn it into a positive. And it's just finding a way to keep competing and keep winning. And it is really hard to do. So props to her to be able to have done what she's been doing and to continue it through this year. And obviously now she does have money coming through and i think her also using the utrs is smart on the weeks off you know picking up an extra three grand or so i mean it really helps you know people don't think it's much money but it is for us you know it can help us play another week three weeks so yeah she's been clever with it and um hopefully you know she should be able to get into that qualifying spot with on her own you know without a wild card with how she's doing in singles right now, which will help her financially going into next year, and hopefully she can, you know, then go into Europe
1: and continue throughout the year. Okay, so we're joined here by Destiny Ayaba. Destiny, firstly, thanks for coming on. We're speaking to you after a bit of a strange tournament win for you up in Cairns. Can you talk to us about that? Um, obviously, you you won the title there over Lizette Cabrera, and it's been a couple of good weeks for you back home.
2: I don't think I've ever had a tournament win like this before. It's very weird, but I, yeah, I feel for that. She's one of the nicest girls on tour and um, I just wished her well yesterday. And I, I only found out just before my warm up started, I, I still warmed up. I was like, no, this is, th- that's not true. <laughs> I don't think it's sunk in yet because it doesn't feel like an actual tournament win. I don't know. I would have just rather played, obviously that didn't happen. And yeah, I don't know. What else to say
1: about it? <laughs> no, fair enough. So you found out before the match was going to start that Lizette had an injury. Um, and then you've obviously just decided, no, 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 that can't be right.
2: Yeah. I was like, no, that's too good to be true. Nothing ever that not, like nice happens in a tennis tournament. For me, I've never gotten a lucky loser or anything like that. So I was like, no, nah, I'm just going to warm up and keep it how it is. And yeah, just go into the like, have the mindset that I'm still going to be fighting for this title. And, um, I drew, like halfway through the warm-up, the supervisor came on court and said the final's not going to be played. So after that, I was like a little bit more relaxed. But it still hasn't sunk in, I don't think.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I can't say that's ever happened to me before. Um, <laughs> speaking of wins, though, you have had some, I mean, a great few weeks back home. You started really strong. Um, two doubles wins with Maddie in Perth and now the singles week. Um, how are you feeling for the rest of the Aussie tour How's it been? Being competing back home and everything like that.
2: Yeah, it's been really good. Um, I love Perth, and it's always nice to be playing back home. I had a long Europe trip. Um, or obviously you're still going, <laughs> so yeah. that's a lot longer than me. Quite the grind. Um, but yeah, I've um, I think I've played so many matches now, and I'm feeling quite confident and just wanting to stay healthy and fit for the rest of the Aussie swing and hopefully have a good start to the Oz summer. And yeah, well, my main goal was to get my ranking inside quality. So I didn't need a wild card. Um, So yeah, I think I'm on, on track for that. So yeah, I think it's going pretty well and um, everyone's playing so well at home as well. I had a tough semi, yes, like the other day as well with Gabby and yeah, I think everyone's, doing pretty good at the moment yeah it looks really promising the
0: level right now and obviously we're seeing on the men's side but seeing the girls having some great matches amongst each other it's uh it's positive moving into the Aussie swing that's for sure
2: yeah I was looking at the rankings the other day and there's like a cluster of us all in the (laughs) same spot (laughs) so yeah it looks like we're all just chasing that quality spot
1: (laughs) yeah there's certainly going to be a few of you vying for that spot and Disney, you you sort of hit a vein of form in your last few weeks over in Europe, if I'm not mistaken, with a title um, in the UK? I mean, obviously your doubles has been like super strong throughout the year, but your singles is now certainly rocketing up. Have you found that you've been playing at a high level for the whole year and you've just sort of hit your mark now? Or have you really found that in the last few months things are coming together?
2: Well, I think that the one thing that's helped is obviously playing as many matches as I have been. And um, especially in Europe, I played um, so many girls that were, like, just amazing. And um, it didn't matter what level tournament it was. Everyone's just, you know, pretty, like, really good. So I think just being around other people instead of being in Australia, which I was the previous year, um, that's definitely helped a lot. And changing my mindset when I go into matches and, um, yeah, so... I don't know. I think I'm just – I'm one of those people that plays better with more matches under my belt and the longer the match goes on or the longer I go into the tournament, I just keep getting better. That's how I feel as a player. That's awesome. Yeah, it was so fun seeing you this year in the UK and I know we travelled together in Spain two years
0: before that. Um, but like you said, that the level and the 25s around Europe, I mean, they're compar- compatible to – the hundreds and eighties in Europe. I mean, everyone's yes. those UK ones were so strong. So it's so good that you got that depth of matches for so many weeks in a row. I mean, I mean, I know it's tough on the road for so long, and it was fun. I, obviously, you had Corey with you. Does that help you a lot when you're traveling, just having someone with you as well? Do you
2: find? Yeah, I think that helped a lot. I'm. I don't think I'm someone that necessarily needs a coach I think I'm just I just need someone that supports me just to just to watch me and you know take my mind off tennis after my matches and just someone there like a friend to have fun with and go sightseeing um and yeah I try not to stress too much about like game plans or anything before matches start so yeah it was nice having Corey there um I think we were together for the last five weeks of my tour so yeah that definitely helped. I mean, he's been with me for three tournaments now, like throughout the whole way and I think I've won all of them. <laughs>
0: so that's good. That's a good record. Good record for Corey.
2: Nice.
1: Yeah. That's scary good. Jesse, so do you when you walk off the tennis court, do you just switch off completely and try and focus on relaxing, having fun, exploring a new city or are you a bit of a tennis nuffy where you'll be on the app, looking for results, like trying to scout your next match, all that sort of stuff. Where do you sort of sit there?
2: (laughs) Um, I definitely do switch off straight after my match. Uh, I try to look at it as if, you know, it's like two, three hours out of my day and then the rest of the day I can just, you know, do normal person stuff And because tennis is already stressful enough as it is, well, personally for me, I don't want to spend the rest of the day looking at who I'm playing next or where my ranking is going, although I am looking now more more frequently with my ranking and stuff. Um, before, I didn't really care so much, but now I think as I get older, like, the stakes are higher and I want to, you know, reach my goals and stuff, but I still do tend to switch off very fast and I try and tell myself that there's always – so much more to life than tennis, you know. If I lose, then it shouldn't be the end of the world, and it usually isn't. So yeah, I've gotten a lot better at just not, well, not not caring, but just yeah, totally switching off from tennis when it's needed. I I agree. It's so it's so good to have a
0: balance. I'm definitely someone too that sort likes to switch off and explore the city. And for me, yeah, if I'm thinking tennis, I'm not going to perform. <laughs> So that's me personally. It's tough. Yeah. We um, hit the nail on the head there. I yeah. I totally get what you mean and what you're saying. So you've been playing a lot of singles and doubles, the same weeks. How's that like toll on your body been? Have you been able to? I mean, you said you're healthy. So have you been able to find compete in both? Obviously, you've been competing both at a high level, week in, week out. You finding that your body is keeping up with that and managing that that level?
2: Yeah, I'm pretty good at the moment um I've just been trying to manage myself more so my mental health during the tournaments um otherwise if that's not good then I'm obviously not going to perform well on court um but I do really enjoy playing doubles I think that's helped my singles so much especially at the net um and gaining more confidence there as well as on the doubles court too I've done pretty good in dubs lately and yeah I've I think I've gone my ranking up to like 160 maybe at the moment but yeah I think doubles is so important to me I I have so much fun and I never used to I used to hate doubles <laughs> um but that was until I started to you know like learn how to play it properly and find the right partner that fits my game um so yeah it's helped my singles so much and I don't think I'll ever be one of those people that chooses to play you know singles instead of doubles in that in one week. Um I would always love to play both. It's, you know, dubs pays the bills too. <laughs> yeah.
1: So do you find that doubles helps you I, I suppose almost not relax might not be the right word but sort of just take a step back and just enjoy it for what it is and and maybe ease some of the pressure from just playing singles?
2: Yeah, it definitely does. I do have a lot more fun on the dubs court than the singles court but yeah when even when I'm out of singles that week and I'm still in dubs it's I still cherish it and take it quite seriously but I do have fun at the same time as I I'm better on the dubs court when I'm a lot more relaxed and having fun and yet usually it ends up well and um, I just use it as an extra practice day as well so yeah it's just a bonus at the end of the day
1: yeah, well, you, you certainly got a lot of silverware with this with it, these extra practice days this year. Um, <laughs> so I think things are obviously working out all right. One thing I wanted to ask as well, Destiny, something that um was picked up earlier in the year. You're obviously pretty vocal about the the, the challenges of being on tour, and, and by that I mean the fact that at the lower levels, players don't get paid what they should, and and things aren't that easy if you don't have sponsorship and the like. We know that you've. Uh, I guess, posted on the, the Australian, Facebook, Australian tennis Facebook group saying, if there's anyone <laughs> out there that can give you a hand, you'd, you'd really appreciate that. Where do things sit at the moment for you? And obviously, the upcoming Australian summer would seem like a really big opportunity with your doubles ranking where it is and and you're, as you said, in, in contention for um qualities as well. So where's that all at?
2: I didn't get many messages <laughs> from my request. (laughs) But yeah, I, after that and during Europe as well, I pretty much lost all my savings to fund my entire trip myself. So that was really tough. I was looking at selling my house um, or renting it out. It was a pretty grim time. (laughs) And then I came back home and, you know, I was pretty scared I was like I don't know if I'm going to be able to travel to these Oz, Oz tournaments Um, I love playing at home and fortunately enough I did well just before coming home in that older shot 25k and I got a little bit of money from there and then yeah every match I go into now is pretty much just like life or death situation <laughs> so yeah I've just I think that's what also has helped me play so well and stay as consistent as I have been I think I've been most consistent I have been in like a long time yeah I think that's always in the back of my mind is how much money is coming in and especially playing these lower tournaments it's not very easy especially if you're losing like first second round and not making semis or finals it's quite tough um but the the UTRs helped a lot I played one last week so that was good but yeah I don't know I I'm just trying to hold out until AO to be honest and see if I can get enough funding from that, if I can get myself into qualies, then I can go again to Europe next year. But I don't know what's, it's all up in the air for me at the moment. Props
0: to you for competing and performing though, because I think it's so hard sometimes we have that financial pressure. You can see some girls crumble and especially at the start of their careers. And obviously that's not quite the case for you being the start of your career, but I mean, it's still tough having so many external pressures like that, then to go on the court and have to think about even playing or winning a match. I mean. And- and there are so many other external factors, not just financially as well, but being just one of them. I mean, you've obviously done a great job of being able to compartmentalize that and just still be able to really compete and perform on court and get results. So that's really awesome. I'm yeah. uh, super happy for you that Thank you've been able me. to do that. Yeah, <laughs> Thank of course.
1: You. And following on from that, I guess, Destiny, you sort of hit the scene when you were quite young. Um, I think did I think you played Simona Hallop as a, as a teenager, yeah. which would have been yeah. terrifying. Um, Simone has obviously <laughs> been in the news for some not so great reasons recently yeah but how do you how do you reflect on on the start of your journey and an experience like that against Hallop? and I guess how far you've come since then obviously with your maturity and being able to or having to handle everything that sort of life throws at you um, whilst you know often on the road and, and away from um, family or loved ones and and yeah how do you how do you look back at that and is it something you've done?
2: I used to look back on it and kind of get annoyed at myself because I wasn't there anymore and I haven't been on tour for a while. That Well, this was the last two years. and But now these days I look back and I it's just something that I would really want to get back to. And I know that that wasn't anywhere near my best tennis back then or lately even. And, yeah, it's just something that I strive to and it motivates me now well because I know I know how much I have to offer in this sport and how much I've got left and what I want to do with my career and yeah it now motivates me and I obviously would love to play on Rod Labour again and play with those girls inside top 10 and compete but yeah it's just all a work in progress and I still have a long way to go so it's not something that I get annoyed <laughs> at anymore so
1: well, I think that's a sign of um, maturity and growth in and of itself. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you've, you've obviously come a long way, but I can, I can understand what you mean. And it must be must be exciting to think that maybe, you know, keep the good form up. Maybe there is an opportunity on Rod Laver, not too far away.
2: Yeah, I mean, all it takes is one or two good weeks, and then you're right there. So <laughs> I'm just waiting for those. <laughs>
1: Destiny, thank you so much for joining us. It's um, It's a pleasure to catch you off the back of some recent success. And if your last few weeks have anything to go by, I'm sure the next few weeks will be fantastic as well. So thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for um your reflections and uh, sharing what life's been like on tour. And we hope nothing but the best for you.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Alex, it's all we've got time for today. Thank you very much. And we'll see you next month. See you later. The First Serve is your home of tennis at thefirstserve.com.au. Log on to find out all the details of our live radio show, other podcasts, Read weekly features by our team of writers, and follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and subscribe to our YouTube channel.